Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everyone, it's Jacqueline and I have a big exciting announcement for you. Uh, this is the last episode of the Yes Means Yes show. Uh, but don't be sad because the Yes Means Yes show is ending so that Unscrewed can begin. Unscrewed is going to be my new show at The Establishment, an amazing new multimedia website run by and funded by women. A lot of the stuff you love about this show is going to be happening at Unscrewed, in-depth interviews with really smart people about how to transform our sexual culture. Uh, but those interviews will be a little tighter. They're also going to be a little more personal. You're going to get to know the people I'm talking to a little more, not just the issues. Uh, the advice questions are not going anywhere. In fact, they're going to be their own episodes, but we'll also be adding some segments. Uh, I don't want to give it all away just yet, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and if you love this show, I think you're going to love Unscrewed even more. The even better news is you don't have to do anything to subscribe to Unscrewed. We're going to be using the same feed. So if you're subscribed now in iTunes or in Stitcher or in Acast, uh, you're going to be subscribed when Unscrewed launches in two weeks. So uh, I'm so thrilled to finally tell you all about it. We've been working on it for a while. Um, I couldn't, though, resist doing this one last episode with Gretchen Sisson, uh, who has released the results of some tremendous research she and a few others have done about the way abortion is portrayed on TV and in film. Uh, it just seemed really um, important to get this to you right in advance of the Roe v. Wade anniversary. So uh, without further ado, this is the last episode of the Yes Means Yes show. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you in a couple weeks when we launch Unscrewed. Hello, gorgeous people, and welcome to the Yes Means Yes show, where the personal and the political get intimate. I'm your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and every other week I'm joined by one smart and provocative guest to discuss sex, sexuality, and or sex-related current events. And then we put our principles into practice with a real-world advice question. Uh, and this week I am excited to introduce you Gretchen Sisson, who is a researcher who's done some research into how abortion is portrayed on television. Gretchen, how are you? I'm good, Jacqueline. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the show. So tell us, uh, that was not your title. What is your actual title? Um, <laughs> Who I, are you? you? It was pretty close. Uh, I'm a research sociologist at um, Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health. Um, which is at the University of California in San Francisco. So we're kind of this interesting research group within the OBGYN department uh, at a medical school. Um, but we get to ask uh, all of the super interesting social science questions around reproductive health. It sounds like a pretty cool job. How did you wind up doing that? Um, so I'm a sociologist by training. Um, I got my PhD in sociology and kind of wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with that. And at what point did you think I would like to watch TV and think about abortion? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so I sort of inherited this project um, 
from another fabulous researcher, Tracy Wheats, um, who sort of had a little bit of a road show uh, talking about abortion in popular culture. Um, but what she was kind of reporting on was just her observations, and she knew that it hadn't really been rigorously tracked and studied, um, and she wanted someone to do that, and I was lucky enough to get tapped to do that. Um, and I've been working on tracking these since for about three years, since December of 2012. Um, we've been tracking uh, all the abortions that we could find really in film and television. We did really a lot of different online searches and really focusing on the internet movie database. So IMDB, I'm sure most people are pretty familiar with that. Um, and we looked for both the word abortion showing up in the plot description and the word abortion as a keyword. Um, and then we also did a couple different Google searches with a couple different search terms and used lists that a lot of activists or advocates had already gathered as far as their favorite abortion stories that they had seen in popular culture. So we compiled all of those, pulled them all together, and then kind of combed through them because a lot of times the word abortion might be showing up in a plot description that has actually nothing to do with the medical procedure. It's just the word abort or, you know, and so we Got had it. to kind of comb through those and it was like, is this actually an abortion that we're looking for? Um, so we narrowed those down there were honestly over 300 well there were over 500 and then when we narrowed them down there were over 300 that were actually an abortion story um, and we defined abortion story really broadly so it wasn't just a story in which a character actually got an abortion it might be one where they talked about getting an abortion or thought about getting an abortion and then maybe had a miscarriage or then changed their mind um, so we were trying to cast a really big net and then we kind of sorted them into ones where it was a major plot point and a minor plot point and ones where abortion was just talked about politically or socially or religiously. Um, and then we took the major plot point ones and we kind of tracked them by decade to see how the numbers were changing. Um, and that was our first research paper that was out uh, in about two years ago in January of 2013. Right. I remember when that came out. And what did you find in that one? So we found that there are definitely way more abortion stories than we anticipated when we began this project. And I don't think we were the only ones with that expectation. There had been a lot of discussion in the pot. I mean, not a lot of discussion. This is abortion. Not everyone is gushing about it all the time. Um, but we, you know, what we had seen was a lot of discussion um, on blogs about people saying, well, no one on TV ever gets an abortion. And we found that that wasn't true. There were way more out there than we expected. Um, we also found that they were increasing. Now, that not, isn't necessarily that interesting of a finding in and of itself because uh, just the number of TV shows is increasing. And we all that we coded content-wise from that big sample um, was looking at whether or not the woman died. Um, so we looked at mortality outcomes. Um, did she die and how did she die? And that was, that was a variable that we hadn't expected to be very interesting. But as I was... Um, taking notes and doing some early coding on these plot lines, I noticed that women were dying a lot. Um, and they mm. weren't necessarily dying from the abortion, um, but if a woman thought about having an abortion, then she was putting herself at risk just by virtue of that consideration. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kind of like you would never want to live in a small town in Maine with Angela Lansbury? You really wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we found. We found, I think, about 15% of characters who thought about getting an abortion died, and about 10% um, were directly from a result of the abortion, that the abortion was dangerous. Um, so, and, and... And the real numbers are much lower. Oh, the real number, I mean, the... the and again, because our sample goes back so far, um, the mortality rate for abortion has been different at different points in history. But right now, it is 0.002%. So, um, yeah, it's about as close to zero as you can get with a medical procedure. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Um, so it's quite safe. But it's also important to know that that 10% that number is actually pretty true just looking at television in the past decade. It's not that all of these really dangerous abortion stories were in films that were made pre-row or that are set pre-row necessarily. Um, you see a lot of risky abortions that are being told uh, today in stories that are on television today. So that And they're dying of their abortions? Uh, they're dying... 
well, we define it broadly. We, we look at the ones who die as a direct result of the abortion. Um, but then you might also have a character, um, for example, on the TV show Jack and Bobby, you had a character who had an abortion and was then depressed because she had the abortion and was drinking and was um. and died in a drunk driving accident. So, so indirectly so, because of the abortion. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we count that. We, we code it differently. We don't say, like, oh, you know, she didn't die as a direct medical result of the complications from the abortion. Um, but her death narratively is linked to having chosen to get an abortion. So right. do you track those? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So that really surprised us. Um, and uh, we, we reported on that. That was our first paper. Um, and then the more recent paper it just came out last month um we did a much deeper dive looking at the last 10 years of television so we coded for um what the characters looked like um you know how old were they um what was their race or ethnicity um why were they getting the abortion uh what you know what was their relationship status were they parenting um we also looked at the providers in a lot more detail so what are the providers trainings how are they portrayed um and we looked at we had looked at the mortality outcomes in that first paper we looked at the uh, health and safety outcomes here in in this more recent round of research um so we looked at maybe the woman doesn't die from her abortion but is it linked to infertility or depression or something like that? Right. So, yeah. So the, the paper that came out last month looked at kind of just the character demographics and the reasons characters are getting abortions on screen. And then we have a, uh, another a few papers uh, in the works sort of out there looking at the provider representations and the health and safety outcomes, as well as uh, another on barriers to access. So how hard is it to get an abortion on TV? So versus said, how hard is it to get an abortion in reality? Yes. Yeah. Because what we found on television is that characters were facing extreme barriers, um, including illegality. Some of these are stories that are set pre-Roe or in, um, you know, even in dystopian futures where abortion is illegal. Um, you know, they'll, they're still able to get an abortion. They're still able to find a provider, even though it's illegal. But I was talking to one of my colleagues and she said, you know, a lot of real women can overcome illegality too. Women will go to great lengths to get an abortion. There are very few barriers that are insurmountable. The abortion might be more expensive. It might be much harder to get. It might be, you know, way more dangerous. Dangerous. It might be inconvenient. You know, there are, there are any number of barriers that you can put in front of an abortion that that lower the standard of care that make women's lives much more difficult much less safe uh but if women are determined to get an abortion they're going to um so we saw that when characters too um and i know i know you're a fan of jessica jones so i'm sure you're familiar and i should just put a big spoiler alert in front of oh yeah spoiler (laughs) alert everyone we're gonna talk about shows yeah let's Um, do it you know, but so you know, on Jessica, of course, Hope ends up getting right. an abortion in prison, and and women in, incarcerated women face a tremendous number of barriers when trying to access. And that one seems pretty unrealistic to me that Jessica Jones would be able to just slip her a pill, yeah, and like, and that everyone in the in the infirmary would be chill about it. And I don't know, I ex- I expect in prison it's a lot harder to get an abortion than that. In prison, it, it's pretty different. I mean, and there, are, you know, there are a number of ways in which we can't really, you know, Jessica Jones doesn't line up with what we have. Well, sure. Yeah. But all of that aside, um, you know, she was very determined to get an abortion and, and she found a way to get one. Um, and that's what women in prison go through, maybe in a little bit of different ways. Um, but I think that that desperation and right. that determination in the face of seemingly insurmountable barriers um, that characters are demonstrating, I think that's um, that's something that women, real women face as barriers are increasing. Well, the other thing about that Jessica Jones abortion that's that sort of is representative of what you found is that she also wanted an abortion because she was raped and that's w- way overrepresented on TV, right? Yes. We did find that that rape was significantly overrepresented. So real women report that they're getting an abortion because the pregnancy is the result of a sexual assault about 1% of the time. 
um, we found it in about 10% of the plot lines on television. And I think that that's a way for screenwriters and content creators um, to make the abortion more sympathetic. Right. Um, so the public supports abortion in cases of rape at a much higher proportion than they do for other reasons. Um, so if a filmmaker feels or a screenwriter feels like they're taking a risk by including an abortion story, this is a way to make the character more sympathetic. So it's less polarizing of a plot line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, that's not necessarily unrealistic, right? And that's one point that I try to stress, um, which is that, and maybe I should go back to a few other of our findings, um, which is that, you know, we found that characters getting abortions on TV are younger. They're more likely to be white. Um, they're likely to not be parenting. Um, none of these make... TV unrealistic, right? There are plenty of young white women who aren't parents getting abortions in the real world. You know, any of these fictional stories is, is going to be somewhat similar to a real person's story. Um, but in the aggregate, it's where you kind of see whose stories are missing, whose stories aren't being told. And I think that that's really important. And I can't remember. I mean, well, you've probably watched all of these I'm trying to think of a plot line that featured abortion where someone was already a mother and I'm coming up short. There aren't too many. Um, one was in 2000. So our sample, I should mention for this analysis, closed at the end of 2014. So it's already a year out of date. Got it. <laughs> the academic publication schedule. Sure. Um, there have been a few. Um, for example, Call the Midwife, um, which is it a great show. And they've had actually a couple of stories around abortion. They had a woman who had eight children who was living in post-war London, uh, in poverty. Um, she, she already had eight children and she got pregnant and she had an abortion. So that was a mother, a mother who wanted the abortion because she felt like she, you know, her, her maternal capabilities were already stretched very, very thin and she needed to care for the children she already had. Um, so that was one that was included in our sample. Um, one that wasn't that aired just this past July that I actually um, just recently watched and I think was handled really well was on the AMC show Halt and Catch Fire. You know, I watched the first season of that and then I didn't watch the second season. Well, you know, I really only watched the abortion episodes. So <laughs> you, pro you probably watched like one episode of lots of shows, haven't I, you? I, I have. Sometimes <laughs> that one episode will be enough to sell me on the show. And, and I can give you some tips if you want shows that, that are, are quite good that include abortion. Um, but I, I can't, so I can't speak to the overall quality of Halt and Catch Fire. I have heard good things. Um, I've heard the second season was actually better. Well, than the first. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No. So, but so the spoil that, it for me. Yeah. Uh, so one of the characters who's a mother does get an abortion um, and she actually has a conversation with her mother before she has the abortion while she's still pregnant, where she tells her mother that she had been pregnant, but had a miscarriage. Now she's, she's lying to her mother to kind of talk herself through this pregnancy decision um, while being secretive about having an abortion. Um, and she really talks about how, when she her children were young, that that was a really special time, um, but she doesn't want to go back to that. And mm. so perhaps the miscarriage was for the best. And then later, of course, the viewer understands that she didn't have a miscarriage and she goes to Planned Parenthood and, um, and is able to get the abortion. So I think that that is really, uh, it, it's unusual for a mother to a character who's a mother to get an abortion. Um, whereas we know most women who get abortions in real life are mothers are already parenting. Um, but it's particularly unusual for a character who's a mother to get an abortion and articulate that as a parenting decision right. um, to support the children that she's already caring for. Um, so I thought that Halt and Catch Fire handled that really well. Well, and I think one of the, the, the things that struck me from your research is is the thing about how how rare it is to see a mother make a decision to have an abortion and especially as a parenting decision and how that fits into the idea of sort of mothers as pure and selfless and you know like and and that abortion is this selfish and self focused decision and how those two ideas in the popular culture are actually in conflict, whereas in real life, and you talk about this a little in the research, those ideas aren't quite so simple. Right. I mean, we found a number of ways, particularly that 
um, these television stories reinforce the idea that there are two groups of women, women who get abortions and women who are mothers. Right. Um, and one is that... And mothers are good. Right. Mothers are good and women who get abortions are maybe not bad, but mm, not quite as good. They're self-involved, um, at least. They're, they're, yeah, they're focused on themselves, right? So, you, for example, you have the character of um, Christina Yang on Grey's Anatomy, who I know a lot of people who really love Christina Yang. Um, she's involved in two abortion stories, one, two un- unplanned pregnancies, both of where she decides to get an abortion. In the first, before she can get the abortion, um, you they discover that it's an ectopic pregnancy that needs to be removed i was so pissed at that plot line and i feel like the second one was like shonda going back for a redo honestly shonda rhymes has actually done interviews where she said that that she felt like the first time she it didn't end up how she wanted it to end up and and so she kind of put christina right back in the fire and and had her follow through with the elective abortion um and and while christina is is viewed you know, everyone likes Christina, but she's not a maternal character, right? She's right. very clear that she's putting her own career first. She doesn't want to have children. She never wants to have children. Um, and very, very few real women report that as a reason why they're getting abortions. Again, because most of them already have children mm-hmm. and the vast majority who don't probably will at some point and, and want to at some point. Right. Um, it's not that they're getting an abortion because they never want to have children. They're just getting an abortion because they don't want to have children now. Um, so we saw that difference. One, that well, m- characters who are mothers aren't getting abortions. Characters are getting abortions because they never want to have children. We also saw, and this will be um, in our next analysis, looking at health and safety outcomes, we saw a big linking of abortion with infertility. Um, so the most recent season of True Detective, for example, sort of played into that. Um, season two of House of Cards talked about that, how having had abortions before makes you infertile, which is not true. Um, and, and so you sort of see this linking of you. if you have an abortion, it means you're ne- you're never going to be a mother, or you don't want to ever be a mother, or you're certainly not a mother now. Um, and I think that 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 narrative, while subtly reinforced in these different ways, is really important. I think a lot of people in the general public are very surprised when they find out that most women getting abortions are mothers. They are parenting right now. And I think that... And that often it's a parenting-related decision. Right. That they need, you know, I need to care for the kids I have. I don't have, you know, my my time and resources are, are tapped out and I want to prioritize these children here now. And... And I think a lot of women are making that decision because abortion doesn't happen in isolation. It happens in the context of the rest of their lives that are going on. And um, you don't see that as much on television. So tell me some of your favorite abortion plot lines or and or you could start with telling me some of the ones you hated the most. Okay. Which, which, where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit, I'm going to go back to movies a little bit because I think okay. there are some really good ones on movies. So, um, one of my, uh, favorite ones is Dirty Dancing. It's a Oh my God. Yes. I think it's one of the best ones out there. I mean, 1987, it's, it's not new. You know, right? when I watched that, cause I'm old enough to have watched that in the theaters as a teenager, right? It never occurred to me that the plot line was radical at or political even at all. I just it just was right. And it was it was wonderful. When I watched it again as an adult, I was like, holy shit, you couldn't make this movie today. I really don't think you could. And I mean, it's it's not just that she's getting an abortion, but that's what drives the entire plot of the film. Right. Mm -hmm. Is all of the heroes of the film rallying around her to support her no one ever questions her decision no one ever says she shouldn't do this they're looking out for her as far as getting money well the dad is a little slut jamie well the dad yeah but uh, you know before before the abortion itself right but we're supposed to be disappointed in the dad for being slut jamie are supposed to be disappointed that and the thing is even though the dad is slut jamie he cares for her. He's compassionate mm-hmm. towards her. He takes good care of her. And after the fact, he reassures her that she can have children in the future if she wants. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't report her to the police, certainly. You know, so the dad is an imperfect character. And I think we're supposed to understand him as an imperfect character as a viewer. Um, so I don't I don't count that as too big of a strike against the film. But of course. No, I'm- and I think it would be unrealistic if if 
honestly, I wouldn't be a strike against the film if everybody was perfect, right? right? Like, right. someone has to express yeah. a reservation for it to be realistic in some way. And that's, right. makes, that's, that's a situation where the abortion is dangerous, right? Her health mm-hmm. is put at risk. Um, and that's why I sort of, I, I, I don't want people to walk away thinking like, oh, there are so many dangerous abortions on TV and that that's always an anti-abortion message. Um, I, I think that, you know, I'm not trying to make blanket statements as far as like these are good representations and these are bad based on these criteria. I think you have to look at the whole picture, that whole story surrounding the different outcomes and uh, and, and judge based on that. So I yeah, assume that's one of my favorites. For me, my the modern day equivalent of that is Obvious Child. I do like Obvious Child. I did. Um, I think it's very, very funny. Um, I think it's very, very deliberate in how it's handling the abortion story. And just the idea that you can have a rom-com about an abortion. What about TV abortions? What are the best and worst TV abortions you saw for the study? So what are the best and worst? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to again go with one that wasn't in our sample because it's quite new. Um, and because I, I, I just watch it and I really fell in love with this show just based on the abortion episode. Um, it's an Australian show that's now airing on Pivot, uh, an American channel. So it'll be in our sample when we include 2015 in our analysis. It's a show called Please Like Me. Oh, I have. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Vaguely heard of this show. I, I really enjoyed it. And the abortion episode was a medication abortion. Her friend goes with her. They're really medically accurate in their description. They go into a lot of detail. Um, she goes home. She takes the pills. Um, the portrayal is... Um, funny it's a comedy so it's it's very it's there are jokes going on it's, it's amusing um but there are also a lot of moments of sincerity where the two friends are talking and she says things like i dressed up to go to the abortion clinic because i didn't want them to think i was like the other women <laughs> you know? and like that that's funny but it's also this sort of idea that yeah. um, you know she like she's dealing with these conflicts like She's, she needs an abortion, but she doesn't want people to perceive her like all the other people. Who As need that kind of woman, yeah. right. And, you know, the fact that she recognized it and they kind of talk about it or, um, you know, or her friend confesses like, hey, I thought about you keeping the baby. She's like, yeah, I looked at, you know, the, the idea that like, even though she's very sure that she wants to get the abortion and seems very relieved after the fact um, that you can have these complex emotions around it without it being depressing or morbid or dangerous. Excellent. So I, I will say I, I, I did really enjoy that one. That one was probably one of my favorites. And what about one that was like nails on a chalkboard? Um, nails on a chalkboard. Uh, I don't love the way House of Cards has handled it um, with Claire's history of getting an abortion, the fact that she lies about it to make it a more sympathetic story, the fact that it's linked to infertility, the fact that she's such a villain and, and her history of having gotten abortions kind of plays into her villainous background. Um, I think that that's really problematic. The True Detective one really bugged me, too, with the linking to infertility. Um so, I so think, pretty much if they make it seem like there's scary health risks that are unrealistic, that's going to yeah, be the yeah. ones that piss you off. And yeah. also just that um, the, these characters are 
I mean, there are very few true heroes and villains on these shows, but if there are, it, it's Claire Underwood. Right. <laughs> you know, so. Right. What is it like? I'm wondering what it's like for you and the other researchers who worked on this to watch this much footage of, of fake abortions. Like, <laughs> does it does it does it feel some kind of a way? Like, what kind of experience was this for you? Um, I mean, it, you know, it, I'm not gonna. I have a fantastic job, and I'm extremely lucky to be able to do what I do. But there are moments where you're like, you've got to be kidding me with this. This is so boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, or, or we end up watching, we end up watching a lot, uh, not a lot, but a good number. When we were we were doing films, um, there are a good number of films um, made with the intention of promoting anti-abortion messaging. Um, and those were frustrating to watch, to say the least. Are there mainstream ones or those are like Christian films that go... They're Christian films, but they're, I mean, they're intended to appeal to right. broader audience. Yeah, so October Baby, for example, is uh, is one, it's probably the biggest one that people would recognize. Um, there was also a film called Bella um, about a woman who is is pregnant and thinking about getting an abortion and, and ultimate, and this isn't a spoiler alert because it's marketed as an adoption movie but also don't see this fucking movie also like, don't see that movie um, <laughs> but you know the her, her her daughter ends up being adopted and um i've also done a lot of studying on adoption and and the way that the adoption is handled there is just so frustrating for me as well so it's not just the way they talk about abortion but the way they're portraying alternatives um so there is there's a film called Sarah's Choice, um, where a woman who's in a committed relationship gets pregnant and, and the two choices are framed as quit your job and be a stay at home mom or get an abortion. Right. So you have to understand that there's a whole worldview attached to these anti-abortion media products, right? You Mm -hmm. know, they're not just saying abortion is bad. They're saying adoption is good and easy and blissful and uncomplicated and, and stay at home motherhood is the goal. You know, there's this conservative gender ideology attached to it. None of these ideas are accountable to women's real experiences. And And not that adoption is sometimes actually stealing people's babies. Yeah. We're, they're certainly not going to say that. So, so, so watching those, watching these, is is hard because they're not good movies first of all um but also because um they really um beggar belief on a a number of levels you're a calmer person than me temperamentally i think i think i would have like a rage aneurysm like at some point (laughs) just like sitting through all of that well i will say that i i have now the uncanny ability to to predict how these stories will go (laughs) so i remember i was watching uh one film at night at home, my, my partner was here and I got about halfway through and I was like, oh, I just realized what's going to happen. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, everyone at this hotel is a ghost because they were all aborted and <gasps> they don't realize that. It's like this abortion sixth sense movie. And he's like, there's no way that's true. That's the most bizarre plot line I've ever heard. I was like, just wait, it's going to happen. And I, you know, I was really proud of myself in that <gasps> moment for being able to see where the story was going within just the first few minutes of the film. What is the name of that um, movie? What is the name of that movie? I'll have to... Uh, it stars a very, unfortunately, Dean Cain. No! I know, right? It's it's brutal. Um, <laughs> I will have to look that one up for you. I'm <laughs> oh, my God. Lying. We'll oh, put that in the show notes for it's, sure. Um, it's called Meant to Be. Meant to Be. Meant, yeah. meant to Be. All right. That it's, is... Tagline, a young man searches for his mother and discovers God's plan for him. What is God's plan for him? Well, you know, I don't want to ruin everything, Jacqueline. I <laughs> okay. I think that one's on Netflix, too. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Um, so, I mean, I know that this is the next part of your research, but I want to talk about a little bit before we wrap up about why it matters that abortion representation doesn't match up with real life and what you suspect the impacts are. I know that you're going to be doing some research that you can say with more certainty. So I think that, you know, we don't expect TV to be realistic, right? That would eh, be a little boring um, if it were just complete reality. But 
it's interesting to see the ways in which it is unrealistic. So if you want an abortion to be more interesting, you make it more dangerous. Mm. That seems to be the recipe that Scream writers are following. But there are like any number of ways for an abortion story to be really compelling without that, right? You know, abortion can be a relationship story. Abortion can be a medical story. Abortion can be, a, you know, a personal story about, you know, making these big life choices. Like there's enough drama in there without making it also quite dangerous. Um and the idea of barriers, right? Like I'm still really waiting for the abortion road trip, you know? Oh, like, the abortion the road trip movie. Yeah, like, I mean, grandma. We caught grandma was a grandma little tiny bit like that. A little bit. But it was um, one day. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think like, come on, we've got so many road trip movies. When's the, you know, where's the abortion road trip movie? You know, I think that's a great idea. Where's the woman? Like, where's the super creative abortion fundraiser, right? Like, I have to go, you know, and again, grandma's close. Grandma's probably the closest. Um, and, and Shane. Yeah, but grandma pissed me off. I mean, like. I thought grandma was was imperfect. Yeah. I mean, she caught up her physical credit cards, but that doesn't mean she couldn't have just called the credit card companies. She still had a line of fucking credit. Like the whole thing was premise was like on the thinnest of premises. Well, and anyway, at end, and at the end, she just goes to her mother who just goes to the bank. You know, it's quite it's, right. It, there, there was always a backup. There wasn't quite yeah. the same. Urgency. It was that, that real charming woman. in certain ways, but it was not as it was more slight than I wanted it to be yeah. anyway. You know, but so I think, and the TV show Shameless actually had a fundraiser for an abortion in a in a bar, and they had, that was pretty funny. But I I think that there there's just a lot of creative opportunity out there that screenwriters kind of aren't taking as far as what the experience looks like. It can be over the top. It can be funny. It can be dramatic. It can you know you don't need to make abortion like dangerous or even necessarily flippant in order to achieve drama or humor. Um, the fact that there are so few women of color dealing with abortion on television. Um, we didn't now, find any Latina women in our sample that were. I have a question about that. Yeah. Which is, is that controlled for how few women of color there are just on TV, period? So it, it isn't. Um, but I will say. Which I'm not saying is a yeah. good thing, but I just didn't know if specifically, even if, if you already are a woman of color character on TV, like if you're less likely to have an abortion than a white character. Yeah. Well, a few things. One is that there is some research, and this is not my own, uh, but but some research that suggests that actually, as far as black characters, at least, um, they, their proportion on TV is not that far off their proportion in the real world. That doesn't mean that they're on the same shows, that shows have... Um, racially and ethnically diverse cast. Right. But okay. there are some shows with only black characters, for example. Right. And you've got Empire are, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have those. But if you just go by just the numbers, I mean, again, that doesn't mean you have diverse casts. It doesn't mean that black people are portrayed well, but it means by the numbers, we might be doing better than we think. Okay. Um, Hispanic and Latino populations, they're way underrepresented. Um, and, and, and these are problems you know, independent of anything to do with abortion. Right. Um, and that was kind of my question. Yeah. And I think that that, I, so I think that our research as far as looking at abortion is just pointing to that fact um, from a different way that it's not just representation that matters, um, but it's how these stories are told and, mm. and, and what those circumstances are. Um now, again, our sample closed in 2014, and Scandal has done some really interesting things in 2015. Um, and uh, Olivia Pope getting the abortion in that uh, mid-season finale um, was very unique. I She is the second woman of color to get an abortion. She's the first main character woman of color to get an abortion. Now, I'm sorry, I should say she's the first black woman main character to get an abortion on TV. Um, because I would consider Christina Yang uh, right. a woman of color as well. So I'm sorry for misspeaking there. But those are both Shonda Rhimes shows. Shonda right. Rhimes is really kind of changing the game here. Like if you take out Shonda Rhimes, your data is different. It is very different. <laughs> it is. She's really um, being and, – and what she did on, both on the Scandal episode in um, November and in May – 
she showed the abortion on screen. That had never happened before as far as a contemporary abortion. We've seen some illegal abortions being performed on television, like very graphically, very dramatically. Um, but as far as the doctor flipping the switch on the aspiration machine and it vacuum, basically, you know, and actually performing it and you see the, the woman on the exam table, that doesn't mean that those procedures were realistically portrayed, right? You don't need to wear a hairnet during your abortion and both characters were they were in ambulatory surgical centers not clinics where most abortions take place so they're not necessarily realistically portrayed but they are on screen and that's really a first which gets back around to your original point where i derailed you from which is you know the disparities and and what are the impacts right like when we don't see women of color having abortions you were about to make a point about that well i think that the the demographic disparities that we see kind of all tie into the different reasons why characters are getting abortions, which we touched on a little earlier, which is that you have a lot of characters getting abortions because it's going to interfere with their future plans and their future career, their educational goals. Um, you know, they're very single-minded and focused. You, they're also a lot younger, so they're more likely to be in high school, which is sort of a more sympathetic story. Um, and and so all of these demographic differences contribute to a different set of reasons why characters are getting abortions. And then that ties in with the public not understanding um, how abortion, you know, why women are, are really getting abortions. And you see that even in politicians, you know, I'm reminded of that infamous interview where someone asked a politician, why do you think women would get abortions? And they just don't know. <laughs> now, we haven't studied the impact on that, but we do know that there are a lot of myths about what abortion looks like and why people are getting abortions. Um, and, and we certainly see that reflected on TV and possibly perpetuated by TV. And that's going to be some of your next research, right? Um, we have a couple different directions that we're hoping to take it. But um, we are also, um, that is definitely one one thing we want to be looking at in more detail. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be looking forward to it. I hope you'll come and update us when your next set of findings come out. I'd be happy to. You ready to answer an advice question for one of our listeners? I will try. This is a tough one, though. It is a tough one, but, you know, the, the idea of this segment is really just that we're two friends helping a third friend out, okay. right? So you don't have to have the magic answer. We're just going to do the best we can. All right. That All is, right? Yes. Okay. The listener writes, I am writing because I have a younger half-sister, same dad, different moms, who just turned 12. I'm 26. And I'm looking for some tips on how to be a source of sex positivity in her life. My stepmom has already opened the dialogue about sex with her. And when I was younger, she always she was always someone I always felt comfortable going to for advice about boys. She was the only adult to talk to me about masturbation. So my sister's in pretty good hands. However, I've also heard my stepmom use slut-shamey language and say some ill-informed things about gender identity and expression. So I worry about what this might do to my sister as she comes of age. Also, as a millennial, I understand and use all of the same technology she does. My question is this, how do I open the conversation with her? I've lived away from home for most of her life and I live in a different state now, so it might not occur to her to get in touch with me if she has any questions or problems. I'll be going home for Thanksgiving. Sorry, listener, this is a little late for the holidays this year, but hopefully we'll get it uh, for the next family gathering. And I'd like to know what I can do and say to open an age-appropriate dialogue with her. I also have a 10-year-old brother whom I'd like to positively influence as well. I guess it all boils down to this. How do I turn my siblings into feminists? <laughs> We're going to talk about it. I feel like the most feminist media is all, uh, look at these adults doing shitty things to kids. Comprehensive pleasure-based sex ed is the only answer. Which, yeah, but I'm struggling to find real-world practical advice that would allow me to help the young people in my life on a micro level. Uh... So I kind of thought this would appeal to you because I know you have much younger children. I, um, I do. We're not much, quite there yet. Though. Much younger. But we're really um, working on the the raising of feminists thing. That's definitely a focus. But I, I figured, you know, it's not like th this question has never occurred to you, raising right. humans, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so what are your first thoughts about it? Aside from it's really tough, which I agree. It is quite tough. So, I mean, honestly, my, my first thought was um, that you need to connect these young people in your lives with Scarletine, which is just my yes. most 
Yes. Favorite resource um, for young people um, to get really, really good information and supportive community. And Heather Corinna, who runs it, is fabulous. Um, so that was my first thought was to just, you know, outsource the problem, send them to the website. But that's probably a little bit over. I mean, I can't encourage enough, you know, sending them to Scarletine. And and suggesting, like, you know, you could drop them a line and be like, hey, have you seen this site? I thought you might dig it, right? Like, we'll also send a message to them, like, oh, you're a person who agrees with most of the stuff on that site. So if they have questions, that make, means you're a person who thinks about these things. I think that mm-hmm. it probably is better to do it that way than to say, you know, sister, you can always come talk to me about sex, right? Which is like, there isn't a non-awkward way to say that. Yeah. But I think instead, sharing resources like Scarletine, and Heather definitely has been a guest on the show before, we love her, um, uh, is great. And they, Scarletine has things like a sex readiness checklist, which I recommend for everybody who's thinking about being sexually active with a partner, um, and just answers to every question like any young person has ever had about sex, basically. It's a pretty... Yeah. So Teen, absolutely. If I may toot my own horn, um, one of the things that I've heard people have done with my book, What You Really, Really Want, is to share it with someone as a way of opening that conversation, right? Either to say, hey, I found this book. I thought it was cool. We could do it together because it's a bunch of exercises and activities or to just gift it to her. And, you know, that also will send that message saying like, hey, I'm really open to this conversation and I want you to have these resources. I think also, um, you know, your, your stepmother, while flawed, sounds awesome i mean you know she's be having these open lines of communication with you um and talking to you about masturbation you know like that that's a much better starting point than a lot of people are when they're dealing with their parents or step parents and so i think you could talk to her too it sounds like she's the kind of person who might be open to that conversation and you could say you know you don't you don't need to frame it as in the context of your younger siblings. Um, but you could kind of be like, I really appreciate all the advice you gave me when I was going through this. Um, here are some things that I have seen and or learned and or heard um, as I've gotten older. And, and maybe like challenge her a little bit on that. Because I think that she's, it sounds like you have a good relationship. It sounds like you have good communication. And it sounds like she's pretty intentionally doing it a good job, even if she could be doing a better job. So I might talk with her too. I think that's a great idea, actually, and one that I hadn't thought of. I was also going to say about sort of counteracting what you see as, as any negative messages coming from the stepmom and also just like the world in general, let's be real, like is less if you're talking to your sister less sort of seeing like they're terrible and full of shit saying like here's what i think about it right like or modeling finding opportunities to model alternative approaches so that your sister can make up her own mind right like people need to especially at that age you need to feel like you have control and like you're coming to your own conclusions Mm -hmm. so i think one of the best things you can do for her is just give her expose her to different ideas right to the ideas that you would like her to make sure she's exposed to you can't protect her from the ideas the other more damaging ideas she's already being exposed to but what you can do is make sure she knows that those aren't inherently true right and she can choose to believe other things yeah and i also think you can um you know, that, that, that doesn't need to necessarily be like an ongoing conversation. If, you know, she's 12 years old, um, you know, and you're talking about being on social media, that probably means that you're connected to her on these too. So even if you're just posting articles on Facebook or Twitter, or, you know, now I'm dating myself because like, I don't even know what the other options are. Um, (laughs) but you know, to, to demonstrate like your feminist beliefs and the things that you think are important. I mean, she's your younger sister. She's going to look up to you and she can kind of see that these are your values and, and know that you're a person she can talk to about these things. It doesn't always need to be something like directly um, targeted to her. It can just be her observing the th- your values um, and your way of talking about things that she'll probably just soak up. Yes. And on the flip side of that, 
if you feel like you don't have as strong a relationship with her as you wish you did to talk about this stuff, you can just work on having a stronger relationship with her in general. Like, and then there'll be opportunities where this stuff comes up. Um, but 12 is, is young. You've still got plenty of time. So, you know, you can just, you know, pick up the phone more or text her or whatever your preferred methods of communication are between the two of you. And so that she has a more active relationship with you. Um, Gosh, I hope this isn't overwhelming. I feel like we've given a lot of advice. <laughs> Even if you pick just some of these things, I think I think she's probably pretty lucky to have you in her life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're off to a good start. As is for sure. your younger brother. Yes, as, absolutely. Yeah, as, he, as he grows up, I'm sure he'll be equally fortunate. And as are your young ones, Gretchen. <laughs> My young ones, yeah. Well, they're, they're two and 0.5, so we've got a ways to go. But um, I'm telling you, we've got a whole feminist reading list for early childhood education. So, oh, I doubt it. Not work on it. Plus, they were gifted. um, Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, at my (gasps) baby shower. So we're in. We've got we've got a reading list lined up over the next decade that we'll chip away at. (laughs) They're in good hands. I I have no doubt. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jacqueline. Where can people find you and follow your work online? Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, it's G.E. Sisson, my last name. And uh, that's really it. Uh, our website is abortiononscreen.org. Um, that'll take you to the answer page um, where we have some great infographics with a lot of our findings. Um, and you can feel free to download them and share them. They, uh, they're they're open access. So feel free to peruse them if you're interested. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And I have some new TV viewing to do now. Well, good luck. <laughs> and people can find me at JacquelineFriedman.com. That's J-A-C-L-Y-N-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N.com. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Jacqueline F. Uh, you can email me. Please email me at Y-M-Y, as in yes means yes, at JacquelineFriedman.com. Send in advice questions to be answered by myself and a future guest. Send in ideas for future guests or subjects that you would like us to cover. I love, love, love hearing from listeners. Uh, That is it for us for this week. Until next time, we're wishing you safe and happy sex lives. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.